0: Morena, Morena, Morena. I know it's been so long. <laughs> um. So I'm I, like I know, you know. People are like, oh, you don't have to apologize. Well, I am going to anyway. Um. I know I said I was going to be taking a wee break to uh, get Wellington sorted, and then I was going to be back in November. And I am f- quite well aware that it is now December. Um. So. I'm sorry for not being around last month. I ended up getting called back into the office Monday to Friday. And, uh, yeah, there goes all my child-free time to record. But, I'm here today. (laughs) Um, and I'm gonna be here tomorrow as well, doing the second half. (laughs) Um, so, I think, I I need to go in with a bit of forewarning on this, uh, this episode, it, it's potentially going to be quite polarizing, um, you know. So we we the last episode we looked at the history of wool in New Zealand, and I think we kind of wrapped up there in the early nineties, maybe. Um, well today we're uh, going to be a, a a bit more recent than that um you know within the last 10 years um but definitely uh since 2019 yeah the last 3 years in particular has been a bit of a roller coaster ride um So the kind of things that we're going to be talking about today is uh, racism. Yeah. Yeah. What else? What else? What else goes with racism? Uh, uh, White supremacy. Uh, Right wing politics. Uh, Oh, you know what? We're probably going to, we are going to be touching on anti-gay sentiment as well. Just throwing that one out there, rainbow community. Um, hmm. I think that's pretty much it. If, if something pops up along the way, then um, I'll, you know, throw something out there before I start opening my gob. So, um, yeah, today's episode is going to be a bit polarizing. Uh, so grab yourself a drink. Um, I've got cold brew today because while the sky is grey, it's still quite warm and I haven't figured out the Hawke's Bay temperatures yet. <laughs> I'll probably strip off at some point, probably during this episode, because I'll get myself so worked up I'll get all sweaty. <laughs> How's that for a for a mental image? Um also <laughs> it's all your images. Um, I'm sorry there's no video recording this time. At the moment, I'm kind of like in the middle of rearranging my office space. Um, moving it from the living room into my bedroom. Um And like all I've done is like move my computer and my microphone. Like I haven't done anything more than that and it's just all a little bit hard, <laughs> but yeah, the kids are convinced they want a Christmas tree. I don't know why we're not going to be here for Christmas, but they want it, so they get it. Um, another thing to note with this episode, actually, while I'm there, is that um, for the safety of my children, and because right wingers love doxing. Some names are going to be censored with gibberish. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way to kind of explain that. Um, That is purely down to the fact that um, there have already been uh, doxing threats and possible attempts, um, on myself, and, uh, I don't, I don't really want people fucking around with my kids, so, you know, um, so if we, today, especially, we are looking at a, uh, mill residing in the east coast of the North Island's, Um, we are going to call it Shmame. Shmame. Because, you know, um, so to be honest, the, the, the place itself kind of runs under two names, um, and I kind of use them interchangeably. So Shmame and, um, um, shit, I haven't thought of a name for the other one, for the other name. Um, mm. you know what? We're gonna call it Nintendo because the letters of the (laughs) of the other name is DS. So we're just gonna call it Nintendo. So Shmame and Nintendo. Cool, cool. All right. Get your cold brew. Whatever else you bloody drink, because um, you're probably gonna need it if you've got an advent that you're knitting grab that too because we're in for a bit of a ride when my daughter was born um in 2015 jeez i really had to think about that um it was it was an interesting time for me because you know that was around that time that i kind of you know started moving more in like facebook communities Um, and I don't know if that was just because, you know, I'd had a baby or if that was just because that was the way that the world was, you know, starting to move in that time, social media, especially, um, I barely had an Instagram account. Like I wasn't very active on it. Um, not that I'm that active on it now, but I was fucking atrocious on it back then thinking about it. But one of the things that I was learning a lot in these these new kind of online communities was that things that I feel like I had always known had, like, these names, right? So, you know, little cheeky racist remarks are called microaggressions. You know, so for me, I was learning a whole new lingo for these values that I, you know, already had or already kind of knew what they were um so i know in particular um i learned a lot in um the baby wearing communities and the knitting communities um you know friends of mine that i i learned to knit with um got me on to one of new zealand's it's New Zealand's largest online learning community for sure. Um, and and I started learning a lot in there, but I also started observing a lot in there as well. Um, and I was observing that I felt quite different. And not different in the oh, well, you know she's obviously the brown face in the group, not different like that, just I could see where all these new big terminology that was happening, you know over in this other community wasn't really happening in this knitting community um and I didn't want to kind of rock the boat because, as far as I was concerned, like I was still twisting my pearl stitches. You know, I didn't know shit. I wasn't going to come in like some fucking upstart and tell everyone what to do. But I did notice that I couldn't really find anything within that group that kind of re- reflected myself and my values. um, So, to be honest, I kind of pulled away from it a little bit. Um, there wasn't any real monitoring of comments or behaviours. So, like, the little golly dolls were a prominent feature in that group at one stage. And um, we already know. <laughs> like, we know this. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about these little dolls. Okay, now, these dolls are based off the old minstrel dolls from America. And the minstrels were white people painting themselves black, usually with giant red lips, and putting on shows and it was always the black character that, you know, was, you know, quote unquote, the dopey one. You know, they were always the one making mistakes or being pushed around or, you know, being silly. They were there for comedic effect. Um, we now know that to be blackface and we know that blackface is wrong don't we, we all know this, eh, right, okay, and I'm not gonna lie, some people are really pushing it with their fake teens like, he's like getting pretty fucking close, now, <laughs> these minstrel characters were, I'm gonna say, they were immortalized, in these dolls, you know, people started letting these dolls, and they appeared on TV programs like Noddy. You know, we remember Noddy in his car, and he lived in Noddy's world, and it was all made out of like play blocks, and it was aimed at children, and it was lovely. Even over here in Hastings at Fantasyland, they had a whole Noddy's world. Um, yeah, so there was a golly in that. <laughs> Um, honestly, the things that we learn, you know, once we know better. Um, so there is a sect within the knitting world that still really likes these golly dolls. Um, because it reminds them of their childhood and happier, easier times. Um, I'm going to throw it out there. Most of them are over 60. and Yes, that's just kind of their generation. Um, And a lot of them are not willing to move away from those ideals. I get it, you know, like some of us are pretty fucking stubborn. Like I'm not about to go put a white hood on. Um, You couldn't pay me a million dollars to do that. And I think some of these ladies might be the same. They don't want to get rid of their golly dolls. And I understand that, I understand the childhood nostalgia of things, I get it, um, but at the end of the day it is perpetuating racist stereotypes, and the knitting community has been one of the ones that have been hardest to let go of that, I think. Pretty much any other community, like, you won't see gollies anywhere. But the knitting community, they fucking love them. They love them. Wow. People in the knitting community love them. So, while I'm seeing these gollies being posted on this page, you know, some people are calling it out for its racial stereotypes, and, and, and that was cool. But, I mean, like, to be honest, by that point, my kind of view towards the group, had already soured, um, and, you know, some people calling out a golly wasn't really going to fix that. Um, but, what I do know, is that there was this other group, right, so there was this other group of knitters, and it was, a Facebook group, especially for the people, that love Shmeim. Um, and it was called the Speakeasy. Um, which really should have been the first fucking red flag, actually. You know, if we look at what speakeasies were back in the prohibition days and then Yeah, it was a place for them to hide and, and do naughty things. And not really much has changed. Um <laughs> uh, the fucking irony anyway so in the speakeasy uh there was still a lot of knitters in there as well and um you know the two groups kind of they run separately from each other but there was a lot of you know membership crossover um mainly because the speakeasy was essentially like a a capitalist community for the shmain stop uh, shop right and, um, the face of that was a, uh, was a red-headed lady called, uh, I'm going to call her Martha. We're going to call her Martha. Um, there are lots of other names I could use, but we'll, we'll, we'll just say Martha. Um, we know her name is not Martha, by the way, but it does start with an M. Um, anyway, so... In the speakeasy, this, this golly doll went up, right, um, by a member of the group, um, a very active member of the group, and a active member within the crafting and dying community at that stage. Um, and, again, like it was in the main woolly group, um, people were calling out on its racist stereotypes. And so the listing was pulled down. But then the original poster put it back up again. Because it's just a toy. It's just a toy. Um, And then outrage ensued. Because hey, you know, we've already addressed this and it's up again. And the response was, it's just a toy. So it stayed up. And people got pissed off. And that was kind of one of the first indications that this was the attitude of the people that was running this group the second indication was when they went to the big august knitting retreat um, that was the and i'm, I'm going to be really honest about this that august knitting retreat was the highlight of every knitter's calendar here in new zealand like it was huge everyone you know, that was the event. Everyone went, or tried to go at least, because it was quite expensive. And I remember, you know, writing it in my planner, thinking, you know, like, this is what I want to do this year. I, I want to go to that knitting retreat, you know, for the full fucking how four days or whatever it was, and take all the classes and, you know, pay through the asshole basically, because, like, it's essentially a week's rent, you know, like, it's a lot of money, um, but what happened, so, going back to the golly, right, what happened is, a result of, you know, this outrage of this, this golly staying up in the group, was that, at the, at the knitting retreat, that, dire crafter spinner, had a table, And on that table were whip bags, and samples, and and toys, and it was basically just a huge display of every golly thing she could find in New Zealand on a table. It was an absolute fuck you to everyone. I don't care about racist stereotypes I don't care about the hurt that these are causing you I'm going to make you look at this for the whole weekend that you paid a lot of money to come here to I'm gonna I'm gonna shove it in your face that's exactly what that was that was an absolute middle finger to the civil rights movement like it was an absolute middle finger to all the progress That has been made in, and and I um, I'm saying this lightly because it's 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 still not perfect, you know. Race relations. It doesn't matter where you are in the world; they're not ever going to be perfect. But the amount of progress that has been made in the states is in terms of, you know, abolishing slavery, um, blacks getting the right to vote, uh, blacks the ending of segregation, you know, that's all progress, and having a stall at this knitter's retreat covered, just covered in blackface caricatures is an absolute middle finger, like an absolute middle finger to all of those that have done the mahi, Right. So we're going to move away from the gollies for a little bit, but like it gives some, it, I think the goalie story in particular is quite important, like, especially for me, um, to kind of see where I could start seeing stuff going, you know, in a direction um, during my early years knitting um, and being within that community. Um, I'm gonna be pretty honest, I was still fairly disconnected from that community, um, once in a while I'd, you know, throw something up that I'd knitted in the page or what have you, but uh, 2018, possibly 2019, I had And I think this was probably one of the turning points for me, actually. Like, along the way, I had kind of called out, like, some gross cultural appropriation here and there, or, you know, just racism, but not a lot, to be honest. Um, I was quite, I was limiting myself um, in those spaces to putting energy where I knew change could be made, and at that time it was not within that group at all, um, so, I think it was 2019 actually, I put up a, a Milo vest that I had no, um, you know, it's, probably, like, the go-to item, like, knitted items for babies, and, like, kindy kids, like, Milo's are great, um, this one, I had put a chart on, and I had actually used that chart, like, I'd use this Milo as a, um, university, (laughs) as one of my paper submissions, Instead of writing assignment, I I literally knit a Milo vest and you know went through the um the values of um Orokawa, we call them the Ten tangas. so Minaki tanga blah 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 blah. Um if you if you want to know more about the ten tangas, I would suggest going to the Tuanonga Orokawa website. Um, and having a look, that's like you know their values. I think that's what Parker places call it, like their val their value statement. Um, it's actually like fairly good reading, um, and you can see how it you know is is applicable to everything, basically in life. And what I done is use those ten those ten and put them, you know, and and kind of put the declaration of independence through those, and and drawn out where I could see those values, and then I put them into this knitting chart, right, with this uh, potama, had a potama on it, and I knitted it up, and I said, you know, this is the embodiment of these values. You know because um that are that are within Māori society, you know, and they're reflected in in Tūakapuunga, and you know because Māori are very much moko centric. We we're very much you know what's this going to look like for future generations? We kind of you know future plan um a lot of things rather than you know will our grandparents be proud of us type thing know trying to carry on family legacies we like but is this good for our muckles? so you know yeah so i i, I bundled up those 10 tungas, drew them out of wakapu tanga and put them on a on a baby vest and fucking spouted something around yeah all of that um <laughs> I I can't even tell you what I said because a lot of my presentations I did on the fly. Um, <laughs> how I got away with it for three years, I don't know. <laughs> but um, so I I you know like I mean, rightfully I was proud of this Milo and and I was quite happy with it. It was the first color work thing that I'd done. Um, so I put it up in the Woolly Group and. Um i i should have I should not have been surprised, but I was that it wasn't long before yucky racist stuff started coming out um <laughs> like we can't just have a baby vest. <laughs> Without something gross happening. So like I mean that was the culture within the group at that time. <laughs> like, ah, oh, honestly, it's I, I have to laugh about it. I have to laugh about it. Um so I was essentially like kind of swept up and um uh nurtured by a group of, um, other knitters, um, that thought like me and, and, you know, had the same values as myself, but they had all the terminology that I was still grappling with, right? So I, I learned a lot from these women. Like I learned a lot. Um, and I, um, am, am still very, very good friends with them. You know, like I fucking love them to bits. Like they're still on my Christmas card list. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, and I think I felt supported within this group to you know, you know, just have a bit more kind of kaha behind. You know, things that needed to be called in or pointed out or things like that. You know, gross behaviours and whatnot. Um. Not a lot was happening, to be fair. Uh, the end of 2019, um, I had actually gone to the, the August knitting retreat. Um, I, I, I went on the open to the public day, on the market day. That was on, I think it was like the Sunday. Um, I was already in the Hawks Bay for the weekend anyway. Um, my... The little baby was six weeks old. He was young as. Um, and, and I thought, oh, yeah, okay. So me and baby went to um, the knitters, the knitting retreat. Um, and it was probably one of the most... enlightening moments of my life, to be fair. I remember walking in and just being quite overwhelmed because it was very, very busy and it was a very small space, but I found refuge um, behind a couple of people's stalls because, you know, baby needed a titty or um, it was just really busy and I just kind of needed to calm down and breathe a little bit. Um, To be fair, I spent most of it sitting outside because... I just, I, I couldn't. Um, the, the special guest at that knitting retreat, um, is Stephen B. Um, now, I was the only person there that wears, that was wearing kowai. Um, and, you know, that generally doesn't bother me. Um, I'm used to people, like, you know, throwing a sideways look every now and then. Um, it's it, like people, like, you know, there's there's more kowai around. Now it's quite, it's becoming quite normalised. Um, so, I mean, I don't even really see it anymore. Um, unless I'm trying to leave a shop. <laughs> and you can see the guard looking at you, just waiting to check your bag. But anyway, um, so and and Stephen being American, you know, he he fucking like I was step. I think I was like waiting for my coffee or something, and he came over, and you know, in his Stephen B way, and he like kind of bounced when he walked, and it was just this mishmash of colour, and um, and he asked about my kauai, and I said, oh, you know, like it's a traditional Māori woman you know, we wear them on our chin, the males have it done on their face, and um, Martha saw me from across, the, she was across the room, like no shit across the room, now I have to tell you this room, right, it was right in front of the bar um, at the East Pier Hotel, um, It's it was quite crowded, there were a lot of people in there, there were also market traders in there, and there were all the bar stools and leaners, um, it was it was a full room. It was very very hard to navigate that with the push chair, um, which is half the reason why I just gave up and sat outside. But um, how anyone could get through there with a wheelchair, I have no idea. Like there was, <laughs> there'd be absolutely no provisions for that. But I, I saw Martha out of the corner of my eye um, from across the room, and she beelined over, and she literally dragged Stephen away while I was talking to him, um, to be fair, I didn't know anything about Stephen at the time, I had no idea who he was, um, yeah, he was just an American coming to the retreat that, you know, was highlighted as, you know, the special guest, or what have you, um, and i had never personally had any kind of communications or anything with martha at that stage um so it was confronting actually like why you know like you'd left him alone this whole time and then the minute he speaks to the native you're pulling him away like okay that's weird um and that's basically when i picked up my coffee and went outside Um, I, I didn't feel very welcome at the knitters retreat. Um, just, now I don't know if that was my own anxiety, like, you know, just having a baby and trying to be within this busy space and trying to navigate that with a very young baby, a six week old, um, or if it was just, Because I knew I wasn't welcome. I don't have a definitive answer for that. Um, but my true gut feeling was was that, and especially after, um, Martha dragged Stephen away after we we're having a talk, um, was that I was not welcome. So, that was my experience at the knitters retreat and that is going to play into you know this this bigger story um now that was 2019 you know in the before times (laughs) god honestly it feels like such a lifetime ago and then come 2020 right and i i think we're all kind of still just Grappling with the COVID fatigue. But we're going to go back to 2020. When we were really in the midst of it all. Um, uh, When the lockdown was announced. Things kind of spiralled into chaos. Knit World was no... Stranger to that. Um, You know, we're trying to deal with this pandemic that no one has any idea what it is. We just know that people overseas are fucking dying. And now we've got a couple of cases here. Um, So we lock locked down. Um, And out of that lockdown, MB sets up rules. You know, to keep businesses afloat. Because at the end of the day, you know, people, people still got businesses to run and if we're all locked down, we still need access to resources, right? So MB says that um, only essential items on this giant list are allowed to be sent. Um, And when I tell you that um, the that Martha over at Shmame um, wrote a letter to MB and rang them. And this is in newspaper articles, it's quoted in newspaper articles that that's what had happened um, to say that wool should be allowed to be um, sent out because, you know, of mental health, because knitting helps people's mental health. Um, I'm now I'm not disputing that, but weaponizing mental health to make money is fucking gross. And we know this. And let's be honest, most crafters, and I'm gonna say most crafters because I'm quite aware of the privilege that that this kind of entails. Most crafters have a stash. Um, we either have a stash or we have garments that just a shit right because they poorly graded or what have you so you know the the kind of consensus around in the knitting groups was that all of the indie dyers uh were not shipping out um because they couldn't they weren't classes as an essential business um and yet somehow Uh, Shmame had managed to get through to MB and say that, you know, Will was, you know, an essential fucking thing. Like, it didn't make any sense. People were fucking outraged. And rightly so. Rightly so. You know, like, I was watching, you know, my friends in the Indie Dyer community just you know, that's their livelihood. Like that was it. They had they had to shut up, shop. Um MB eventually um reneged uh that allowance um to send wool out. Um I'm assuming that after a fair few sales, and because because Shmame had you know being given the green light to go a lot of other people uh, a lot of sorry a lot of other mainly yarn stores like brick and mortar stores um were jumping on that boat as well saying that you know it's essential because of mental health um now i don't know how mb came to do this the decision of reneging that, um, and saying that wool is not an essential item. I'm assuming that there was enough outcry, like there, that, it got shut down. I don't know if I, I myself personally never put anything through the MB. I don't know if other people did, I'm assuming other people did, but I can only work with the information that I have. Um yeah, I, I assume reports were put through to MB to kind of get that reneged. Um and it did get reneged, so Sh- shmain was able to send out blankets. Um they have very um high brow alpaca and merino blankets over there um I think they're I don't know somewhere around $200 each uh, but that's an essential item a two dollars blanket you know <laughs> there are literally like people unable to get food but yeah sure please sell your $200 blankets <laughs> fucking hell um yeah so <clears throat> sorry so that happened, uh, and that was just at the start of the lockdown. Now, lockdown here, I think our first one went for five weeks, maybe four or five weeks, around around that month mark. Um, and during that lockdown, what also came out was a very interesting podcast episode. Now, let me tell you about this podcast. So. Also, over lockdown, you know, we started to see a huge spike in our online communities and our connections that were made online. People that had never used Zoom are now using Zoom because that's all we had, you know, to kind of, like, we're humans, we need to connect, you know, we that's what we do. Um, now, within the speakeasy, they had done you know like a a live and every every day they would do a live and they'd have guests come on and you know connect them via zoom and it was you know our knitting group but online and it was you know a, a lot of people especially if you were locked down by yourself you know that was your form of connection And there's, there's, I'm going to say there's real value in doing that. Um, The Schmaine one was quite interesting because alongside this, this connection, there was also a huge dose of capitalism and (laughs) self-promotion. Because why not? (laughs) But what had happened quietly in the background was an American podcast episode. Now, this American podcast episode was hosted. By a couple of right-wing polit- politic leaners. Hmm, how right-wing are we asking? S- Trump voters. Pro guns. Let's storm the Capitol. These kind of right-wingers. Okay, yeah, I think the nice word for them is libertarianism, libertarians, um, at the end of the day they're fucking racist and only care about themselves and what, you know, they can do and how important they are and, you know, fuck poor people, fuck brown people, um, you know, that. So it was, it was, it was quite interesting that, during these uh, these live videos of of self-promotion that that podcast episode was never mentioned. Um, and I'm going to be very honest right now that link to that podcast episode found its way to my inbox and I was like, what is this? And I rung up a friend and I said Hey Can we do a watch party? Okay, we'll do a watch party So I sent them the link And we watched the podcast together And um I found out why there wasn't any self-promotion of this podcast in any of her New Zealand, you know, places where she likes to hang out. Um, and it was interesting because the subject of said podcast, um, said American podcast, like this is quite exciting You know, like, you have to admit, like, a New Zealand knitter being asked about knitting on an American podcast, like, that's huge. Why, Why aren't we hearing about this? After watching the podcast, I understood why. It's because the podcast is racist. Now, some people might be like, "Oh, Renee, whatever, like, everything to you is racist. I'm not everything, guys. Not everything. But, um... Some of the things that she was saying on the podcast was quite racist and uh, quite polarising and definitely not in line with a lot of New Zealand attitudes. And I've already talked about some polarising attitudes within the learning community, but, like, this was just next level. You know, things and 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 I'm I'm going to be using some direct quotes here because I feel like I'm not going to do any justice making up my own quotes. So why not use the ones that came out of Martha's mouth herself? Right? Because otherwise I would be misquoting here and I don't want to do that. Um but you know, doing things uh, like justifying racist behavior is and I quote people just being themselves end quote she was asked you know about a code of conduct at her at her knitting um at her knitting retreat and I quote I wrote a very clear code of conduct and put in a lot of things there about protecting XYZ purple-yellow zebra groups in there, but primarily did it to protect myself, end quote. Now, you remember what I said about the knitting retreat, right? Um, As far as I was concerned, it wasn't very accessible in terms of, like, even just wheelchair access, like, there's no way you could get a wheelchair in there. Um, I felt very unwelcome, I felt unsafe, Um, and, and, and these are just the things that I observed, you know, this isn't talking about, you know, other members there with disabilities, this isn't talking about, you know, these other myriads of issues that can come up at an event, like events are huge, you have to cater to everyone, make sure that, you know, Everyone is catered to. Um, but I think that it's it's quite interesting that after being asked and asked and asked and asked about having a code of conduct for the knitting retreat, one was finally put out there, it, to be honest, it wasn't it was it was fucking terrible. it was intentionally terrible. And then on the podcast, we found out why. Because it wasn't there to protect the XYZ purple, yellow zebra groups. She did it to protect herself. She did it to protect herself. So let, let that resonate for a minute, you know? Like, it's, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. It's kind of fucked up. But that's not the only fucked up thing she said in there. Because do you know what? If you had disagreed with her in the past or business practices or anything like that, and I quote, we started to look at individual profiles. We started to look and see whose those voices were. We started to quantify across multiple platforms. End quote. Do you know what quantification is? Do you do you know what that is? It's when they use the information that they should be protecting as part of the Privacy Act, and use it for their own for their own purposes. So let's say that you had put in an order with the Schmain Stop with the Schmain Store, right? Okay, so you ordered a few balls of wool and um and then you knitted that jersey and that was. You know, your grandchild has now grown out of that jersey, so it's been some time. And then you just don't order from them again because you don't need to. And there may be, after, you know, four years, you disagree publicly about something that was said. They then go into your, your files... Find your email address, find your address, find your name, and stalk you across social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let that one sink in, guys. It's it's like ugh. we're still doing this. Like we, we're honestly, we're still doing this. Um, within that same podcast episode, the subject of the terrorist attack in Christchurch was built, was brought up. Um, and Martha called it the, um, insert terrorist name here, uh, shooting, I believe she called it. Um, And she called it an unfortunate incident because it happened on her birthday. I'm sorry that 51 people were murdered on your birthday. You know, just to take the shine off yourself. Now, at that stage of that podcast going up, I'm going to be really honest. I didn't even know the murderer's name. I didn't. I did not know his name. Um, At the time that it had happened... Uh, our Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to be really honest. Um, you know, if people are going to come at me and say, oh, you're just a big Jacinda fan. I'm like, I'm not. I've never been a Labour supporter. <laughs> I'm just throwing that one out there, guys. All right, don't come at me. But I will support what Jacinda did here. She said, speak the name of those who were lost rather than the man who took them. He may seek notoriety. But when you New Zealand will give him nothing, not even his name. So his name was not published in any of the media outlets. It wasn't published. We did not know his name. And yet on this podcast, Martha had called it, she had called it the insert murderer's name, shooting. Like how fucking disgusting is that? how disgusting is that that she called that that terrorist attack after the man who did it it completely goes against everything that we had done in New Zealand up to that point after that attack um but yeah, well, i'm 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 going to stop on that one there because it's disgusting, and it just further solidifies my point there. And do you know what? My rubbish bin's coming, so... No, we should be all right, actually. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, th- these are just a couple of things that um, Martha has said online on a very public platform. Um These are quotes straight out of her mouth at some point over the lockdown. a anonymous Instagram page had gone up called at carpet grub um I don't know who like I, carpet Grub has never revealed their identity um i what I do know though is that uh. and and this has come from uh, leaked Telegram messages because Martha was all over Telegram uh, with her podcast mates as well. Um, I do know that I was suspected of being carpet grub, and I'm putting it out there right now. I am not carpet grub. I'm not. um, That's not really my deal. Um, I'm, I'm quite open when I dislike people (laughs) um and to be honest that information was collated a little too well for um anything for me to do (laughs) because I'm not that good (laughs) but yeah so it was suspected that I was carpet grub I am not but the carpet grub account is very very good it is well worth looking at um Oh, he's really struggling with my rub he keeps his rub his big rubbish truck keeps knocking over my rubbish bin and he looks a bit pissed off <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yay got it anyway um <laughs> yeah so that's all i'm going to say about that podcast because it just it, it infuriates me um There were a lot of other things said on there too. Um, Basically just justifying people using casual and blatant racism. You know, yeah, is people just being themselves. Um, She also said that the Gollies um, are toys originating out of Turkey. um, Which we know is a complete fucking lie. But... You know, it's it's just been according according to Martha. You know, it's it's just been a huge SJW attack on her. Um, we've infiltrated the New Zealand government, and you know, just making a mess of the system, and we're too woke, and all of that fucking bullshit. Um, and yet. And yet those sorry those same weight the same woke lefties that are running that parliament also gave her business two hundred and twenty six thousand three hundred and seventeen dollars and sixty cents in COVID wage subsidies. Oh, but you know, we're all work lefties, so... I guess she didn't want to give that money back. I, I guess not. Maybe she didn't sell enough $200 blankets. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So... Pretty much since that podcast went live, um, and made its way through the community in places where it wouldn't get shut down, um, because Martha had a bit of a stranglehold over the the whole knitting community, to be honest, um, it was being shut down everywhere, so it had to be taken elsewhere, and, and that's, I think that's how Carpet Grub kind of started. Um, I'm quite aware that I have been in your air for the better part of an hour um and we've only just kind of got to lock down <laughs> um which is another reason why I had to break this up into parts like and and we've only just talked about the Martha stuff like there's still a whole slew of stuff to come but it all paints a picture as to why Fender Fibers has to start you know like why we need another mill um so what I want to be really really honest about is like while I use the term alt-right to describe you know, the posi- the political positioning that, um, Martha and the podcast friends are taking, um, it really is, like, it really is just neo-Nazi rebranding, um, and I can hear people going like, what, like, oh my god, you just said that, yeah, I did just say that, um, I mean, at the end of the day alt-right is just a white nationalist movement um and when because you know the word nazi is so polarizing um they had to essentially rebrand just to make themselves more palatable um and not seem so fucked up to the general public but that's that's all they are they are absolutely neo-nazis and at the end of the day when we have Martha upholding those values uh, within the space that she holds in the New Zealand knitting community and within yarn manufacturing. Like, do you want your wool spun in white supremacy? (laughs) Is that what we want from here? I'm going to go. Um the next episode we are going to be looking at Voices for Freedom. <laughs> um God damn it. <laughs> but yes, Voices for Freedom. We we are looking at them tomorrow and um Oh yeah so I, I, I actually i think leaving off um from uh our first our first lockdown and the and the podcast uh episode that came out of that um is probably a really good place to leave it um cuz shit's about to get real fucked up if you thought that was fucked up shit's about to get real fucked up all right I'll be back tomorrow. Bye.